Refuge Project. Welcome to the Refuge Project. The Refuge Project is a safe place to have meaningful conversation, and that's just what we do here at the Refuge Project. We got James, we got Pastor Caesar. We got a great show for you today. So before we get into that, let's jump right into our culture corner. Pastor Caesar, what you got for us today? Flat Earth? No, I'm not talking. About no, not again. <laughs> Always br- bringing up Flat Earth. We will find the answer. Yeah, it's not flat. I think we already know the answer. It's, I don't know who's still looking forward to this point. <laughs> well, before we get into it, uh, yeah, I was watching uh, some documentary on just uh, on Flat Earthers, and it was. Intriguing to say the least. It was. Oh, uh, no, here he goes. Uh, no, no, I'm not gonna get. He said, "I'm not gonna get into it." <laughs> no, but one, one, one of the things one of the guys was saying, he was like, "Yeah, whenever you're, whenever you're in this, uh, even it affects everything, even the person you marry. Because if you know, if you marry somebody that's not that doesn't believe that the Earth is flat, uh, it's just it's not gonna work out." And I was like, "Wow, that you know, I've never really." Thought about that? Yeah, women vegetarians. Yeah, yeah, the mm. vegans. Yeah, the that's, vegans. That's a movement. Dude, yeah. you can't you can't marry a vegan if no. uh, you're not on board with uh-uh. that. Don't even try to bring that cow yeah, that's home. Be no, bad okay. time. <laughs> I don't care how cute she is if she's a vegan. No, no. it ain't gonna work out. You seen no. the stuff about the vegan cats? Oh, it's the, see that 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 that's that's where they look totally took God out of everything and made a cat vegan. Yeah, right. So I mean, they feed the cat only vegan stuff. Yeah, and then the cats are like they're all jacked up and messed up because they're not getting the nutrients cuz they're meat eaters they're, so they're it's, so they're basically feeding the cats like salads basically and uh yeah the cats are just like all malnourished and just like wow. and you cat know, naps every, to a whole new level cuz they got no energy and you know every time they they put food in their bowl they just like they're all like malnourished and they just want to like scratch the eyeballs out of their their owners yeah. for yeah, sure wow yeah. Jam-packed episode today, <laughs> uh, yeah. But you know, I got a quick little story that I want to that I want to uh, present right now. And this is hot off the press, and uh, so apparently, this is from TMZ because we know that they're a credible news source. But yeah. it's from TMZ, and uh, apparently, Mr. Kanye West is in the news again. He sat down with Nick Cannon on his new. Uh, he's, he's got a new podcast called Cannon's Class. But uh, yeah, wow, it, that's it, classy. Yeah, yeah, it's like a 40, 50 minute episode. Uh, uh, so I haven't watched it, but I just saw this headline here and I thought it was worth talking about. Well, uh, Yeezy is sitting down with Cannon and he's telling him that uh, apparently his uh, Sunday service that he did back in 2019, if, I hope you remember that, he released an album and all that, uh, but that Sunday service uh, ended up costing him a whopping $50 million to put on. And, uh, yeah, that's a lot of money. A lot. That's a lot of money. And, uh, and they talked a little bit about that and said, well, what did, what did it go to? What are the costs? And things like choir uniforms, flights, operas, and all that other stuff, the operating expenses that go with, uh, with putting on a full blown production like that, which is what it was full blown. Oh, it was uh, great. It, it was everywhere. I mean, yeah. he was all over the United States. I even think he did some international travel. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, it was everywhere. And he did not charge the churches that he was showing up at. That was, well, that was something that. cool. Yeah. 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 And it was, and they appeared on, uh, it says here that, uh, let's see, last year they made stops such as Coachella, mm-hmm. Skid Row in Los Angeles, 
uh, Howard University, the Forum, so on and so forth. I mean, the, the, the Lakewood Church here in Houston, yeah. um, just so many different big, big, big places. And, uh, you know, whenever whenever that first came out, um, I'm I'm naturally pessimist. <laughs> you know, I'm a pessimist. And uh, I, I, I and I don't know if that's just me being over cautious because you know I, I i don't know anyway moving on but whenever it came out and i was like oh here it is another publicity stunt here we go he's flying off the handle again but he's been pretty consistent with it yeah the problem with it is like kanye is uh he has so much mental issues right and it's like true mental issues that he has to deal with so once he starts something people kind of look at it sideways which you should. I mean, if, if if you have those kind of issues and you're constantly um, going up and down, and, and um, I mean, just look at his family and who his family is and those type mm-hmm. of things. You have to look at it a little bit sideways. But uh, he's been consistent. His mental health seems like it's better. I know he just had an episode not too long ago. But listen, if more Christians would put up fifty million dollars to do yeah. stuff like that, mm-hmm. uh, we could advance the kingdom. You know what I'm saying? So, True. I mean, I think that's I think's pretty awesome. I mean, but he's only worth a billion. So <laughs> I like to see the I like, I like to see the sales from his Christian album compared to his like last secular yeah. album. See what, what it was. Yeah, one that of, would be interesting. One of the things about the interview that I did see was that where the money came from and he got it from his marketing budget from his shoe line. Mm hmm. And that's, he said, I wasn't going to spend all that in marketing anyway because those shoes sell themselves. So I just put it toward that. So there you go. Part of the marketing, $50 million. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the amount, <laughs> a lot of people don't, re, uh, you can't comprehend, like, the amount of money that a lot of these people are actually dealing with. Like, there was, I read some article a few years ago where it was talking about Jay-Z went out. And uh, it was like the article was like bashing Jay-Z because he went out and spent like $100,000 in one night. Mm -hmm. And it was like his friend's birthday party. So he just went all out. I remember that. Yeah. So he took the kid. I'm trying to remember the story. But he like took his friend and like a bunch of other friends to like a few different bars and clubs. And he just, you know, bought him the most expensive bottles of champagne and stuff. He even bought him like he has his own champagne line. So he was like buying his own bottles of champagne, Mm -hmm. uh, helping out the market. (laughs) Yeah. Which is kind of funny. But anyway, so he like throws this guy like the night of his life or whatever. Right. And it costs him like a hundred grand somewhere around there. And so, yeah, all the articles were like bashing him, like, can't believe you're out there spending this money. And, uh, so I was listening to, I think it was a Dave Ramsey thing. And he was talking about that. Yeah. And he's talking about like, he's like, so I looked up how much Jay-Z made last year or whatever. And it was like, 60 million something it was like some crazy number right and so he just like starts doing the math and he's like so if you made 60 million or whatever it was and you spent a hundred thousand dollars in one night and anyway so he like does all the math and he he breaks it down to where it was like somebody making this much money a year spending a hundred grand in one night is like somebody making sixty thousand a year spending 10 bucks right going to waterburger or something yeah, yeah it was something stupid that. like that and i was that's just like ridiculous. that's what a hundred grand is to a lot of these people so it's like you can't even as somebody who's just you know making minimum wage or something or something normal above that yeah you're normal making a hundred grand or less a year it's like you can't even understand 
that's like you can't comprehend it. The uh, the level of ball and out on <laughs> yeah. when it comes to that kind of money, it's just like it's ridiculous. Oh, and then that just says sixty million is still really nothing compared to what him and Beyonce. Are. Yeah, yeah Beyonce is worth like a billion dollars too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So oh, she's worth more than him. Oh yeah, for sure. But you know, when people look at that, they're. I, Every time I read one of those reports, I'm just like, come on, people, you know, because they're worried about this hundred grand, but they don't ever look at like his income tax filings where he's given hundreds of million dollars away. Also in that story, whales in Africa and different things like that. But they want to judge that 100 million. But also in that same night, he tipped the uh, like the bartenders and all that stuff. He tipped them like 15 grand or something like that. It was, you know, he tipped them like accordingly. So it wasn't like he was just. Yeah, absolutely. It was just a funny story. And, I remember hearing. Speaking that. of Jay Z, not I we're not over bringing up Kanye West, but but it's, it all runs together. Um, <clears throat> I saw this one interview with Jay Z and Warren Buffett. I don't know if you saw oh, that. Yeah, that was oh, great, that was bro. a great interview. If you haven't seen that one, go out and check it out. Uh, Warren G. I almost said Warren G. <laughs> Jay Z. Regulator. That's funny. Uh, but them having that conversation together about business. And if you look at it, I mean, Jay Z is kind of the, the modern day Warren Buffett, you know? Um, and it was really, really good. It was like he was sitting in front of Yoda. Yes. I mean, like, you know, this guy, Jay-Z, I mean, wow. I mean, he's 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 done, he's iconic. Mm-hmm. He is a mogul. Yes. Absolutely. Nobody can take that away from him. But the way that he was sitting in front of Warren Buffett and just listening to what yeah. he had to say, that was just something. Levels. There's levels to this thing. Right? <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, you're you know, you're Jay-Z. And you're worth a billion dollars, and you're sitting in front of Warren Buffett. There's just there's levels to things, and yeah. even those guys know. Okay, it's time for me to sit here and be quiet. And when I get a chance, I'll ask a question. But if I don't, I'll just sit here and be quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, absolutely. That's awesome. Anyway, so yeah, that's uh, that's Yeezy, and there you go. Awesome. I got uh, this story from uh, American Prophets. It says a sneaker, uh, a preacher with sneaker coming to TBN. Steve Furtick to replace Kenneth Copeland, says the network. And I think this is kind of a big deal because Kenneth Copeland has been with uh, TBN for 40 years. And uh, so the Trinity Broadcast Network says um, that it, that uh, they're no longer going to uh, do the Kenneth Copeland every week, right? And instead they're going to Stephen Furtick, which if you don't know who Stephen Furtick is, he has a, a mega church in North Carolina, um, and he has, in this article, they keep bringing it up. He has appeared on Preachers with Sneakers. <laughs> and that's a, a Instagram um, page that has all these famous preachers that have like hundreds of dollars of parish tennis shoes or whatever. And preachers they just, they, they, they pointed out, oh, those are $450 or those are $650. And I thought it was pretty interesting. I was listening to a podcast the other day and I guess there's this guy in Nike that's uh, like a super Christian. He's really high up. So when these new shoes come out, he sends them to all these like famous Mm -hmm. uh, preachers. Mm -hmm. So they're all wearing these high dollar tennis shoes that they don't pay for. And then they're taking all this garbage on Instagram (sighs) because this guy sent it to him. Right. And they're saying, oh, those are $750 shoes. When they're released at the store, they're like 150 but uh-huh. resale value is seven fifty, a thousand, or did whatever. Did you say why the guy's sending him the sneakers? Just because he's a fan of, you know, oh, he's okay. a Christian gotcha. guy and he's a fan of these guys, and I th- he probably has a relationship with them, <laughs> gotcha. you know. Um, 
it's probably in his little rich circle or whatever. But it, I thought I thought that was kind of interesting. I thought that it, it, I think that it's really ironic how whenever you reach a certain level of notoriety or success, how all these manufacturers and all that they just send you free products or the promotion because you know it, it it equates out as far as you know ad dollars oh, and for all sure. that. Yeah, but. But it's funny because, again, talking about normal people in quotations, you know, this is what we work hard for. This is for mm-hmm. the you know the little niceties of the world and stuff like that, things that we can enjoy. And uh, and and these guys, no doubt, whenever they were up and coming, they were doing the same thing. And then now that they actually have the means to purchase it, they get it all for they free. Get it all for free. And it's like man, the, the irony. Yeah, yeah, it's like the more you can afford stuff, the more free stuff you get. Yeah, which doesn't make any sense. But I mean, I, at, at the same time, like I totally get it. I get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. Well, Trying those to get guys, some marketing for your company or whatever. Get you know. Yeah, those guys move the needle. So it, it's. I mean, for these companies, it's worth it. I want to move the tough, needle. Though. Yeah, <laughs> I want to be a needle mover. Right. <laughs> and, I, and you know, one of those things that people always said. You know, they always bring up Joe Olstein and he's making all this money and he's mm-hmm. flying all these privates or uh, jets or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and people have asked me in in the past about it. And for me, I think that you should look like your church, right? So if you have a mega church, you should be able to afford some nicer things. But if you have like um, a church that has 30 people in, in a kind of a poor neighborhood and you're driving a Mercedes, I have a problem with that. Yeah. You know, because where's your money coming from? Because you have your community around you is probably going without lunches for the children and people are struggling to pay their bills. But somehow you have the money to afford a, a fancy car or whatever. So you're taking money from those people to buy you a fancy car. I, d- I have a problem with that. Unless you have a business on the side or something like that that yeah. you can afford. Uh, but if the money's coming directly from the church. Yeah, there's an issue. There's an issue. You, you have to look like your, your, your community. And not just financially, but your church should look like your community. If, you're, if your church, they, it, it, is it wrong to have an all-Hispanic church? What's your community look like? Yeah. If, you're, if your community is all Hispanic, no, I don't see an issue with it. But if it's not, it should just look just like your community. If, if you have a mixed community, that's what your church should look like. Yeah, I heard a statement that kind of encompasses what you're talking about. It says that a shepherd should smell like the sheep. That's right. You know, and uh, if you don't get that, well, then we'll pray for you. Right, exactly. <laughs> but I, I don't have a problem with these guys, you know, especially the ones like uh, Furtick and and T.D. Jakes and mm-hmm. and. Joel Olstein, they've written books, and most of them don't even take a salary from the church anymore because their books are so popular, mm-hmm. and they're 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 making so much money from that. So I mean, on the surface, I don't know you know exactly, but I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, and there and there's a lot of people that would accuse them of being mo- modern day charlatans and stuff like that. Yeah. You know those kind of things, and and uh, you know. <sighs> I've recently, this is recent in my life, I've taken more of a step back and not been so hard-nosed when it comes to uh, these things because I understand that I'm not with them 24 hours a day. I'm not serving in their churches. And if I judge them based upon uh, a 45-second snippet, then um, I shouldn't be doing that. I need to have context. I need to have I need to be able to see evidence and fruit and all that stuff. And I'm just not actively in it. So you know what? I don't gain anything from breaking them down. But whenever there's some out and out heresies, I I believe that we need to call that out. Oh, for sure. But, uh, but as far as, uh, you know, like the the preachers with sneakers and those kind of things, it's like, there's a lot bigger fish to fry than for a $450 pair of shoes. I like my pastor to look fly. You know, (laughs) (laughs) he got, uh, is it, uh, Arnufo always has, 
the best sneakers that always match whatever shirt he's wearing. Exactly. Not them, the same tone and everything. That's, that's great. I don't I know how it. many shoes he has. A lot. But he's got to have a lot. <laughs> I, ha- I have a lot of shoes, but he's got me beat. I, I kind of, my, I redid my closet and just a custom closet. It's really nice. And I put all my shoes. I had built a space for all my shoes. And I had like, I don't know, 27 pairs of shoes or something like that. But I guarantee you, Arnufo's got over 50 pairs of shoes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, what's the problem? Like, uh, I mean, everybody, everybody has the thing that they're into. You know, yeah. I, I do music stuff. I like music stuff. So I've got, com- so compared to you, I've probably got like the amount of music stuff I have is ridiculous. Right. Because compared to you, you probably don't have much of anything. Like, you I got way more stuff. mic cables than you do. I got so many mic cables. <laughs> I got so many random synthesizers and stuff, yeah. all costing four or 500 bucks right. each, you know, like I've got thousands of dollars worth of that stuff. But for me, I get joy out of it. That's like what, that's what I do. Some people collect baseball cards. Right. It wouldn't make sense for everybody to have a ton of baseball cards, but if that's your thing, you know, right. whatever, everybody's right. got that thing. But now the problem with the preachers have a bunch of money is that there is those, you know, those bad guys stealing money from the church. Like those people totally exist. And the problem is then you, since that's a real thing, people use it that people that don't want anything to do with the church, they can just use it as an excuse. Like how many times do you hear people that when you're talking to them about come to church or whatever, and they're like, oh yeah, I don't want nothing to do with that. And they say, you know, all those preachers driving them fancy cars and stuff. And they just go on a rant about it. And it's like, yeah, that exists, but that's definitely not the majority yeah. at all, and yeah. we all agree that that's wrong. You yeah, know? and they don't remember. They don't remember when that same pastor and his wife were only eating two meals a day, and they uh-huh. was trying to, to bring their kids up. With, yep. And when they were young pastors and trying to make it as youth pastors and mm-hmm. and do it full time, they they wasn't there when that was going on. Yeah. But now they're making a little bit of money. They want to call it out. Yeah. But yeah. since there is those bad people out there, you know, you can, it's easy to just blanket statement stuff right. and just, and it's so dangerous whenever you're painting with the broad brush, because mm-hmm. you, you know, people fall under that, that don't deserve that scrutiny. And mm-hmm. that's yeah, just, for that's sure. sad. And that, we're going to talk a little bit about that in a minute. Uh, just to get back to the story, uh, Nate Daniels from uh, TBN, uh, their marketing director said, it's important that they, move forward and a number of changes are are going on at the network. So it sounds like they're trying to rebrand a little bit to, to um, really change the network, I guess, to kind of target out, target people like us, you know, from generation, yeah, 20 to forties or whatever, trying to, to tie back in what they've built over these years. Cause if they don't, it's going to go away uh, for sure. And uh, so they said they're excited about the new programming that's coming up. And they're really going to start targeting the, the younger Christian faces. So I'm excited to see what TBN does because um, it would be cool if we could get to, like, tune in. It would be relevant for us, you know. And, and, and I'm, I always hate to say that because I, I don't want to leave the previous generation behind, but I want them to come with us. But at some point you have to build for the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's really important, especially these days, to get the current generation connected. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Kenneth Copeland says that he's super excited uh, about what's going on. He's still going to be a part of it, um, but they're exploding with vision. And he says uh, we're experiencing uh, God's power and embracing the great changes uh, like they've never seen before. So, I mean, Kenneth Copeland's been one of those guys that's been around for a long, long time. You know, he's taken scrutiny for flying on you know mm-hmm. private jets and stuff like that because he's been this prosperity preacher for a mm-hmm. long, long time. And uh, so anytime you, that you preach that and uh, you make a lot of money, you're going to get a lot of uh, <laughs> yeah. a yeah. lot of that feedback too. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. That's our news for the day. Um, I just want to talk about something a little bit 
little bit current right now, and I don't want this to, to get into any racial or political areas at all. So try to let's try to. Stay I don't know back. if I can help myself. <laughs> so let's try to stay back at uh, from that. But at the same time, Caesar's just talking about flat Earth, so it's, <laughs> he's, he's not worried about racial or anything. <laughs> right, right. Um, but I want to talk about love thy neighbor. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we love people that sometimes seem unlovable? And we're we're in a bizarre place right now in the world where if we have a different opinion about something that we could very well be somebody's enemy for just that different opinion. And I, and I know that at least for me in, in the past and, and sometimes in the future, I really try to work on it. But we see people or people groups and then we put them in boxes because it's easy for us to really understand those people or those groups quickly because they're in this box and we say, Everyone that looks that way or goes to that type of church or is born in that area, they go on that box. I can process it real quick and then move on. Um, And I think because we've done that, we are where we are now because we have made these separations by race or religion or uh, origin, class, generation, all of those things that it's been building over the years and then now we find ourselves um, with cities burning right now, yeah. uh, with uh, political stuff so divided. Um, and I think we have to get back to loving each other first and then asking questions later. Don't matter what you look like, if you have a turban on your head. And I think this really starting in the United States, well, we could take it all the way back to slavery, but when we started really dividing people groups, it was during 9-11. I can remember, you know, uh, a lot of Muslim people were were scared to go to the store and different things like that. But just because yeah. they were Muslim, they thought that it was these radical Muslims that flew planes into the, you know, the, the buildings in New York. Um, so how do we get from where we are right now back to loving each other first? Like the Bible says, you know, the Bible says that first we got to love God, you know, with everything within us. And then secondly, but still as important, we have to love our neighbor. And I'm not seeing that right now. I'm not seeing us loving one another and then trying to figure out our indifferences. We're we're trying to point fingers, Mm -hmm. letting the indifferences um, divide us and then not ever coming back to love. So how do we how do we stop tearing each other down and tear down the things that are tearing us down? Go wow. ahead, Caesar. <laughs> well, yes. Um, you know, this reminds me of this. Uh, if you ever watch Jim Carrey's The Grinch and Stole Christmas, he has a to-do list of what he's going to do that day. And there, uh, I believe it's, it, it, there's a part where it says, solve the world's problems and tell no one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this is exactly, you know, we're about to solve the world's problems right now. Let me tell you where we start. Right. Um, no, that's a whopper of a question. Yeah. You know, but it, it's a whopper of a situation that we're, we, uh, we're encountering, whether you're a Christian or not. You are knee deep in this right now. And your response absolutely matters. I, I, I think a lot about this because I deal with the younger generation. I'm a part of that generation. Um, I believe we are in the war of words right now. Whenever you start redefining 
words and what they mean, the traditional meaning of those words, then that's when mass confusion comes in. And you can say something that has traditionally always meant one thing, but now because there's a rebranding of it, uh, there is a stigma associated with certain words and these kind of things. Um, then that's whenever there is no clarity in, 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 it has to start with the dialogue. You have to have a dialogue. You have to have those opposing sides both agree. Let's get into a room. Let's hash it out. Let's talk about it. But your words and your definitions have to mean the same thing. Uh, you're talking about love God. Well, God means a lot of things now to a lot of people. And then if we're talking about love, well, love means a lot of things to a lot of people. And it looks different to a Christian than it does somebody that's not a Christian. And uh, even from Christian to Christian, it can look completely different if we don't have a set standard of what these words mean. What is love? Well, we know that love is, <laughs> well, there's, you know, I'm, I don't want to get too technical into it right now. Let me just stop you there for a second. So if we, if we can't agree on what love is, right, from, from person to person or from people group to people group, what is the common denominator that we can we can start at and then move forward from there and then work out love with one another? Maybe that's where we start. Personally, I believe for me, it starts with death. That we recognize that you and I do have an expiration date. And we have a responsibility while we're here, whether you think we go to some heavenly place or whether you think we just go back into the dirt and cease to be whatever your your worldview is the point is that we have an expiration date and we have to do something with the time that we've been given and rather than killing each other because that's going to come anyway let's find out how to live together or at least enough to where we we understand each other we don't have to accept each other that's okay. I, I, I'm totally fine with that. I'm totally fine with people not accepting the way that I live my life. I'm okay with that. But don't kill me for it. Don't hate me for it. Just understand where I'm coming from, and I'm going to try to understand where you're coming from. And does that mean sometimes there's going to be separation? I don't think separation, um, we're always going to be separated in some way, shape, or form. But having a mutual understanding of that separation and knowing that Hey, you know, you're over there. I'm over here. That's fine. That's fine. We can exist. I don't know if it's fine. Um, and I say that because of this. If if we if there is constant separation, then we're never going to understand each other. And if we're never going to understand each other, then there's always going to be us against them. Well, let me clarify. Separation with bridges of dialogue. Because I might not ever agree with the way somebody lives their lifestyle because of my Christian convictions. And and I know that I can't be a part of it. But that doesn't mean that I go and I obliterate their civilization. Right. And 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 I, I definitely want to bring you into this, uh, James, because I know that you have a really good friend that is atheist, right? Or he or he's kind of bouncing around. It, d- did I get that right? Trend. I'm trying to think of which I'm friend not, you're taking it. I, my son told me one time that you have a friend that maybe doesn't believe in God, or, or I mean, I've got a lot of friends that don't believe in God. Is it a, a close friend though? That, that I'm trying to think of which friend you're thinking of. Um, maybe it, maybe it was JP and not you. Maybe I don't know. Um, I mean, I've got plenty of atheist friends and plenty of so you know, had, all over the place. So how do you balance your Christian faith and having friends that are 
um, that, that don't believe the same things that you believe, but find a place that coexists. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, so we're supposed to, we're supposed to be the light for everybody, right? People are supposed to be able to look at our lives as examples. So I just try to, I'm just always trying to live my life the way I'm supposed to be living it. So that doesn't mean I totally separate myself from everybody because, you know, they say, you know, we're in the world, but we're not of it and all that kind of stuff. But we're also supposed to be a light to all those people too. So for me, that means like, so I'm living my life trying to do my best to follow, uh, to follow, you know, the word of God. And uh, so even though I have friends that don't believe it or don't agree with it, I'm still going to do that. And they'll see my life and they see me being blessed and you know, a lot, it's kind of undeniable a lot of times. Um, so that doesn't, so if I have friends that don't agree, so like, let's pick an issue. So like, I have lots of friends that like to do different drugs and stuff. We all have different friends that like to get drunk and stuff. So we're in the world, we're not of it. And also I don't go out and get drunk with them. I don't go smoke weed with them or whatever, but I don't never talk to them again because I know they do those things. You know what I mean? So I'm still in it. I'm still living my life as a good example because for like people like that, the only people they're hanging out with doing those things with is other people that think the same thing that are also getting drunk and smoking weed and doing whatever they're doing. So they're not going to get that example hanging out with those people. They're only going to get it from seeing people like you and having friends like you. So, you know, I don't go to the party if I know they're going to do a bunch of crazy stuff. But when I see them at work the next day, you know, we're still cool. I'll help you out whenever you need, you know, we joke around and all that kind of stuff. So, that's kind of how I am with it. And, and that's, and I think that's kind of where we are right now, because if you look at, um, if you look at like places like Google, um, Facebook, very progressive thinking, well, they're very progressive thinking because they're building their environment around like-minded people. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's no, there's no one there to challenge them in a more of a, uh, reserve thought. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I asked this because I was, I was thinking like, what is, what's going on in the world? And the the Lord just was just like, there's no unity and everything starts with unity, right? Everything like, um, a tree is not a tree unless it, there's unity with the ground. Right. And then it's placed in the ground and then it grows. Um, a door doesn't work right until it's it has hinges and then together it opens and closes right so there's in everything that we do if there's not unity if there's not a bond with something else um it doesn't work Mm -hmm. um and i think um so if we talk about unity and then we relate it back to people then it's relationship right and then so i started thinking like okay where did that start with Jesus? And then I started thinking about the disciples and the first, the first disciple was John. Right. And then one of John's boys was just like, okay, because of John, because they believed in what John was doing and John was following Jesus. Then he followed Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then the next one was like, what Andrew or something. And then Simon. And then, you know, and just kept going on and on because of, the relationship that people had built. Um, so I think, from my opinion, that we have to expand our worldview. Um, and that's hard sometimes because 
when we look at other people groups, we don't we don't think about the people group that we're in, mm-hmm. you know. And then we have these closed off people groups that we're in, and we don't want to let nobody in these our people groups. But then we look at other people's people groups, and then we're just like, "Oh, y'all are bad." Mm-hmm. So then, especially as Christians, then it's us against them. Yeah. Instead of how do we break down that wall of us against them and really try to do what Jesus did and, and go into the, those communities and maybe um, break out of our norm and maybe go seek out maybe niches from other communities and kind of maybe read their newspapers or or if there's a mosque nearby, there's probably a restaurant that has Muslim foods and stuff like that. Maybe we visit them and, and for breakfast or whatever and try to build relationships ships there somehow it's i think it's yes but the difficulty in that uh, i believe that it's knowing how much you can give before you start infringing upon the things that god says don't cross right and the more progressive side would say well we can ride that line because it's worth it and I would agree and disagree. And there's pros and cons to both. But what I've seen happen over time, you've seen it happen in church history. This generation gives a little, the next generation gives a little more, and then so on and so forth. And then we start saying that this is these standards that God has always said, this cannot be crossed. And we find ourselves crossing them for the sake of trying to win the world. I just don't see Jesus ever crossing that boundary whenever he was out there doing his evangelizing. Um, he said, well, he, well, he, he, uh, you know, he, he ate with sinners, you know, with drunkards and all that stuff like that, but he wasn't right there doing keg stands. Right. Well, I would, I would disagree. I would say they ate with him. Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Cause he was holding court. They wasn't, but anyways, go <laughs> yeah. ahead. Yeah. Yeah. But you see what I mean? Yeah. You know, we don't, we don't see Jesus is say, well, Jesus, you know, he, he made more wine to make more winos. Well, no, no, he didn't, you know, get into the scripture a little more, understand what those words mean, understand the different, the different, uh, the, the, the different uses of the word wine that they have in there. Jesus didn't make fermented wine for them. And if he, and if it was, which it wasn't the words that were used there to describe that don't say it was, it was that stuff that just sits still. Right. Um, what Jesus was doing there was not getting people drunk. He was not the enabler. You know, his very own word tells us, don't be a partaker of other people's sins. And, and then the, the same word also says, come out from among them and be ye separate. That's why separation, you know, separation does not necessarily mean um, isolation, but that there is a marked difference in the way that we live our life. We are in the world, but we're not of the world, you know, and, and just, but, and that's, you know, I think I was having this conversation years ago uh, for churches, for, for people, individuals, for families, everybody needs to ask themselves that question. Well, what does that really mean for you? Uh, Come out and be separate, come out from among them. What does that really mean? How does that challenge you in your life to, to live differently? What does that mean to you? And I think whenever we have that as Christians, because uh, people from the world, they're not going to want to hear this um, anyway. 
But but as Christians, we need to answer that. What does that really mean and how far am I willing to go? How much am I willing to give before it starts infringing upon my own convictions or my own level of of uh, of maturity at that point? If you're not ready to hang out with, you know, people that get drunk all the time or people that are always uh, on some substance, well, then I think it's fine. Just get away from it. For sure. You know, uh, if you're going to fall into that temptation. But there will come a time when you have the victory over it and you can insert yourself back in those atmospheres again for whatever reason. And you can be like James was talking about. You be that light yeah. and you be that way of escape. But I, 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 those separations happen naturally, I think, as a result of the fall. And, and to make this work, and I'll, I'll kick it over to you, James. To make this work, we have to take the extremist out of the picture and then focus on the rest. We, we can't focus on the extremist um, Muslims that want all Christians to die. Right. Because the majority of them are not that way. They just want to coexist along with everybody else, worship Allah. Um, you, we can't take the, the extremist um, African-American movement or all these different movements. We have to take those out and figure out how to, to coexist with everybody else and build relationships with them. Yeah. I was just going to say it just this is just like everything else where there's a balance between uh, well, there's just a balance, you know, between being that light, being there so they can all see you and also at the same time being separate and not, you know, going too far, crossing that line too much. And that just goes back to like we were talking about, uh, I think it was last week. Uh, we were talking about, you know, being honest with yourself. Why are you really at that party tonight? What do you what are you really doing there? And uh, at the same time, knowing, um, you know, being honest with yourself and knowing what is my actual calling? What am I supposed to be doing? Trying to follow it. So, like, for example, um, oh, gosh, what's his name? Micah's grandpa. Brother Korean. Korean. Yes, there we go. Uh, so he's been called, you know, he goes to the Middle East and he's like in, he's in it over there to preach to all those people and plant churches and stuff. That's not my calling at all. <laughs> so I'm not going to go. Try yeah, it, you know. With that. That's not me I, at all. I don't want to be sown three times. Yeah, but I mean, that's his. That's what he knows he's supposed to do. So he goes and does that. If you, uh, if if you're not called, you know, to go into that area where, you know, you're very much separate from all those other people, you know, be honest with yourself again. Don't put yourself in that situation. If you can't handle that situation, you know, be honest with yourself. Don't go to that party. Don't hang out with those people. And you know, there's of course, like I said, there's a balance between all of that that I think is a good, healthy spot. Yeah, and I think that the, the place that we have to start is we really have to expand our worldview, expand our community view, past what we know. And that and that's tough because we're comfortable here, and that over there looks totally uncomfortable for me, right? It's, it's uncomfortable for a, a lot of um, one race to go into an, another area where they don't look the same and try to figure it out. And, and and if we look at history, a lot of our issues have came from just that, that we haven't tried to understand each other, that we let our differences separate us instead of let our differences bring us together. Yeah. So I think we have to really work on th- those things. And this is a um, this is definitely one of those topics I can tell in all of our tone that we're, we're just watching what we say because you can get – 
into some really complex situations whenever yes. you start talking about these things. There is a certain there is a certain level of like you said being comfortable of what we can speak openly because we don't want to get the backlash. Right. Whenever we look at it, not looking at at the extreme groups, well, it unfortunately those are the ones that get highlighted and then that, that's kind of what sets the tone for everybody else. So even if you are moderate in something, then automatically painting with a broad brush, you get thrown in with the extremist and then you know, then that's it causes more division, like you're talking about. The news headline, right? Yeah, yeah. And everybody, it's clickbait. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to see that. Everybody wants to see a, a trash fire, you know? Um, and it's not always like that. Um, and, and I was having this conversation not too long ago with a young man um, talking about the differences that exist within a church. And I told them, you know, in a church, you need Republicans, you need Democrats, you need Libertarians, you need Green Party, you need everything in a church. Whenever you start having one group of people um, um, that all think the same, sound the same, and all that, that's that's not that's not unity, right? Ravi Zacharias said that uh, unity is not uniformity. We don't all have to be the same or think the same, that's right? You know, and but but where where the issue is is that whenever you do have that, then you just have an echo chamber. Now you just have a whole room of yes men, and there's no more creativity. There's there's nothing that that exists like that. I think a church, and especially the modern day church, thrives under that kind of tension of talking this stuff out, getting into those uncomfortable areas, exploring this out, because we grow from that, and we're able to answer questions that are arising from this generation, you know. And and rather than stick to um, our traditionalism, and I'm not bashing traditionalism. Traditionalism is is, is there uh, for a, a because it's it stood the test of time, right? We can't dismantle what is tradition, but neither can we take tradition as gospel, right? You know that's the tradition comes from comes from man. Even though they might be good practices, it might have been for good practices at that time for those people for that generation. Now we're encountered with all of this stuff. And we have to find out how to adapt, how to thrive, but also how, ultimately over above all else is glorify the name of God uh, in, in our life and in our actions. And it's, um, yeah, it's just so important to have a diversity of people with even opposing views. Some of, this, some of the, 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 the cornerstones that I hold in my faith of I'm, I'm going to die on this hill came as a result from somebody's opposing view. And it made me stronger, right? You know, the, 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 those 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 things that I can really hold on to and say, "This is what I believe." Didn't come from me hearing it from somebody that believes just like me, but it came from me actually going out there, putting my nose in the book, praying, putting my knees to the ground, and asking God, "What is truth? What is right?" And I came out a stronger, uh, better version of myself, and I think a more useful Christian for God and His purposes because of that. But I can remember the time when, you know, um, I came back to God and I was really struggling with some things. You know, the, the enemy was putting some doubts in me. And uh, and I just really went on this thing is, why do I believe in God? You know, is it is it just because I grew up in this church and this is the, the faith that, the, that my parents brought me up in? And just as that, because of that, I began to study and, and look at the different types of uh, tablets and what those things were, so the scrolls, and, and kind of did some research and go, okay, you know, this is why I believe, you know. Um, but just even to get back to what we we're talking about, like, 
we, you know, the, the saying is you can't talk about religion or faith, you know, in a group of people. Yeah, like, politics. Politics, yeah. yeah. The politics or faith. Like, um, even in your own family, like, you start fighting within your own family, and I think that's a problem. Like, yeah. we can't talk, we can't have a conversation. I have a really good friend that I went to him, and I was just asking him some tough questions. Um, and uh, he's black, so I, me and him always get into really good conversations about the different things that are going on in, in culture right now. And then he tells me, he's like, look, David, he's, I'll tell you this, but I won't be able to tell you this publicly. They'll run me out of my community, mm-hmm. you know? And the, we're in a really scary place right now that, that we're in America where we're taking free speech away. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because we just can't have conversations like you, like you were saying a while ago that, that we're being careful what we say. Um, because for me, I bring up questions like this because I want to know. I want to make myself better. I want to make America um, better. I almost said make America <laughs> great again. Uh, no, just joking. Um, but I, I just want the people around me and the community around me to understand that I want to love them like God loves me. I want to share the same love that someone else has shared with me with other people. And I don't want them to always look like me. I can remember Noah, my son, he's seven years old right now. I think he was like five, five years old a couple of years ago. And, you know, my wife's Hispanic. I have a lot of black friends. Uh, I have friends of all colors and nationalities and everything. And somebody somebody said something about that black guy. And then he he was confused, right? He was confused like, there's no black people around here. You know, he just saw other people. And uh, so later on, I had to sit him down and explain to him what he was talking about. Um, but if we could just get back to that, if we can get back to just who God sees us as, you know, because we see color. But the Bible tells us that we're all made in his image, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and, you know, back when I was, you know, early as a Christian, you know, I was very um, hard-nosed and kind of like, you know, you said you're coming out of it a little bit. And I think that we all are when we're young preachers or we, we're young Christians. We There's hard lines that we hold. Uh, but the older we get, the more we know that we need the grace, right? And uh, and I always thought it was funny. I'm, you know, I'm going a, I'm, I'm to a laugh when we get up to, to heaven and God's black, you know, because all <laughs> these racist white Christians, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but just it's just one of those things that... W- we have to find we have to find that that balance of holding the line, but it, but it's still opening up our arms and showing love uh, where people don't expect love to come from, mm-hmm. and and that is building um, building community within other people groups that that you don't expect. Sitting down with the Muslim and having lunch, and don't try to uh, convert them, you know. Don't worry. Don't even worry about at this point right now if if uh, he's a Christian or he's a Muslim. Or, let's just find out who he is. Yeah. Let's talk about what what is his what is his, what is his wife's name? What, how many children do, does he have? Those type of things. Because when you do that, then then you can have conversations like I have with my friend and ask him why why do you why does the black community think Donald Trump is is prejudiced? I want to know from the community. I don't want to know from what the news tells me, right? But you can't have those conversations 
unless you have a relationship. And uh, because if you don't, then just the question is offensive. It's offensive. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I think it's important that we have to build those relationships, that we have to put some of our pride down, some of our um, not conviction. I was about to say a conviction, but we, we, we can't put our conviction down. But we have to put a lot of our, our whatever it is down and just build relationships with these people and just to get to know who they are. The problem, this and this is another big factor, is that we live in a community today that doesn't promote that. Mm-hmm. We live in a community today that has uh, garage door openers, which like killed the community because you come home from work, you hit the garage door opener, you drive your car in, you go in the back door, and you never see your neighbors, mm-hmm. no matter what color they are, mm-hmm. right? So there's there's already that piece that's kind of plugging a hole for us to get to know what our community uh, looks like, sounds like, feels like. Um, just just the other day, we had an issue in our in our, in our neighborhood where um, you know one of our neighbors is going through some some really tough stuff. The 15-year-old kid's got cancer, and the mom's a nurse at, at Texas Children's, so she works her shift, tw- her 12-hour shift, and then the next 12 hours she stays with her son, so she's at the hospital 24 hours a day. Well, the dad's at home trying to keep things together. He's abusing alcohol, tries to take some pills. The older son steps in. They get in a fist fight. Uh, Cops come, arrest the dad, take him to jail. That's the last thing this family needs, yeah. right? But we don't know anything about that family over there except the cops came and hauled the dad off, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And, and and my prayer in the prayer meeting this morning was, let me have the opportunity to, to, to love and, and minister to these people, you know? Um, not tell them that he needs to get saved, and if he don't, he's going to hell. No, but, man, listen, I'm here. You know, I'm your neighbor. Whatever you need from me. And then eventually the opportunity would come for us to share Jesus. Yeah, yeah and tra- traditionalism, going back to that that topic, tells us to stay away. You know, um, I'm, 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 I'm a conservative and I can't be around that kind of life and those kind of people. And I have to stay here and, and, and only here. And, and there is a, um, we get those disconnects and, and our world suffers from it. I, I, I wish I did have the answers, but you know, I, I, I don't, I don't have the answers on how to fix the world. All I know is that I'm a sinner saved by grace and I need to show that same love to other people that I'm really not worth the time, but God thought I was worth the time and he, he gave me his time. And so I need to model that exact behavior and give it to somebody else. Do I know their eternal end? No, I don't. I don't, you know, I, my, my faith tells me that I know mine, but but you know even some days I'm like well God I don't know right but you know how how could I even begin about thinking about somebody else's eternal end when I still have so much work to do mm-hmm. as far as letting letting God take take out those impurities and take out those things in my life but but going back to what you said is having relationship before I, I heard a preacher talk about this and it, it, he was talking about how uh, whenever you correct kids he said I would be I, I I can't get mad at my kids if I haven't corrected them about that situation first. Because if if I do, if I just go in guns blazing, well then there's there's not there's no point of reference. I can't tell them this was right, this was wrong. I just go in there and I'm just yell, yelling and hollering, and there's an issue. 
But whenever I tell them this is wrong for this reason and you do it in an instructive, loving, uh, edifying kind of way, the next time, then they have no excuse. Then they know where you sit and where you stand and why that was wrong. But whenever you don't know why things are wrong, then you're just going to have two opposing sides always fighting each other, always bickering at each other, never coming to a point of coexistence, even though I don't like using that term because of that bumper sticker and what that signifies, but it's the right word to use right. um, to be able to coexist. I was having a conversation uh, sometime last year with, uh, with, uh, with somebody that had a family member that was gay, a lesbian. And they had a conversation. They, they wanted to know why um, the lesbian, we'll just call her that, because that's what she is, uh, <laughs> uh, wanted to know why uh, this other person could sin and he'd still make it into heaven um, because he was a Christian, but her sin discounted her from 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 going to heaven too. And there was a lot of, there's a lot of, theological uh, <laughs> problems with those statements that she said already. I said, look, I started off with, look, any sin that's unrepented of, any sin that's not under the blood, yeah, you're discounted already, okay? Sin is sin, and no sin will enter, and that's what we are told. Now, as far as who gets to go and who, look, that's God's deal, and that's God's thing, but let me tell you that the Word of God says that this is wrong and it's and, and and we went through the scriptures. We went through the thing. I said God says it's wrong. And if you're living in a in a state of active obedience or disobedience to God, you're not going to be rewarded by Him. And I I totally agree. There's a difference between sinning and living in sin. And you can fly the banner all day long mm-hmm. that you are a Christian and you're living in that sin. That guess what? You are the same as that lesbian. Mm-hmm. You're the same as that person that is not flying that banner. And that's going to hell as the one that's flying the banner, but is living in the same sin. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's not about the title of your sin. It's about the sin itself. Right. And and I personally don't like getting into those conversations. It's tough. It, they're very tough because you already go against what their primary, you know, that's what they champion. Yeah. And, and I'm not there to fight with you. I mean, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to love people. But, you know, if you're going to talk about lesbians or gays or whatever other titles like you're talking about, well, then, you know, rest assured that in my preaching and that you will find me talking about liars. You will find me talking about people that cheat on their spouses. You will find me talking about murderers, adulterers and every other kind that the Bible talks about. Well, it's not just one group. And when we look at God's word, and that's why that's why it, this is a, a very interesting topic to bring up, especially in the context of a Christian worldview, because the Christian worldview itself says that the sinner is in an active state of rebellion against God, bringing a division already. It's already there. The line is already there between the holy and the unholy, but bridging those gaps and showing the love of God. And, and God demonstrated that on the cross himself. He bridged the gap. He came down and he said, this is what I offer. And if we, what we need to do as a culture, as a society, as this generation, this, this, now what we need to do is put all the politics away, put all the special interest groups away and start seeing people the way God sees people. They need him and he wants to help them. And I think that, and I don't want to get on the last generation because I was part of that last generation. But when you when you talk about gay and lesbians, that we didn't take 
that thing that come from the cross that says, look, I, I've died so you can live, and that we've taken to these certain groups. When I was talking about people groups earlier, um, about gay and lesbians, it, we didn't take that and offer it to them with love. What we say is God hates facts. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so we, what we did is, is just we automatically threw that that wall up and now there can't be relationship. Yeah. Right. And I think that as Christians, we got to find those things in history that we did wrong and write them and try to figure out how we can build those relationships. Listen, we can't change history, but we can try to write what we've done wrong for the next generation. Yeah. 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 And I mean, exactly. I mean, that's, that's right. We can't, we can't discount who we've been. Right. You know, we can only change the future and that happens in the present. Yeah. Um, but the past, let it be a place that we say, look at the progress we've made. But to say that we don't have a past, I think would be, would be just as tragic as anything else. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, um, and yeah, no, I mean, it's, it, these questions, these conversations of, 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 of separation between classes and people groups and races, um, it can go on forever and it has gone on forever. But, you know, uh, just I, I know we're, we're, we're probably getting ready to close out in a little bit. But, you know, one thing that I've purposed in my own life and not nobody else has to do this, that's fine. You don't have to. But I know that I do this. I, I, I'm starting to champion the differences in other people um, rather than seeing the negativity all the time because that stuff will get into your heart and it'll settle and you'll be bitter and you'll hate the world. But you start celebrating the differences in other people. Uh, just quick story real quick. A couple years ago, um, a couple years ago, this is probably right when we got married. We're going on our, our, our fifth year of marriage. Wow. Uh, yeah. Then the That's end crazy. of November, it's, I know five years and it just happened so fast. And, but it, probably around the time that I, that we were getting married, uh, my relationship with my dad has always been turmoil. The 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 dad that I remember for twenty seven no 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 for for thirty something years, uh, at that point was uh, he he abused alcohol all the time. That's the only version of my dad that I uh, that I knew. Um, he was always a provider. He he did love us, but in his own unique way. But you know anyway, and not to draw too much into that story, but that's. That's always what I've known. There was always tension, animosity in our relationship. But whenever we're getting married, uh, uh, me and, and 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 my wife, I, I, I purposed it in my heart and say, you know, I've been to enough funerals already, and uh, at, at these funerals, I always see family members that have regrets for yeah. for not loving the other person yeah. enough, for saying you're being available, all those kind of things. And I, I knew my dad was going to die one day. You know, and I'll die one day. And But I just kind of had the vision in my head that whenever I'm standing over his casket and I'm looking into that box, uh, I don't want to say I'm sorry at that point. Right. I don't want to say, you know, I forgive you. I don't want to say that at that point. I want to say it now. I want to have healing now, whether he accepts it or not. I want to have healing for me. And when I did that and I purposed that and, and, and I started seeing him that, you know, the days after that and all that, 
it was no longer focusing in on his problems and what was wrong with him and what separated us and all the hatred and animosity that had built up over the years. It wasn't about that. It was, I love you, dad. Yeah. I miss you, dad. Mm. You know, those kind of things. Well, fast forward, fast forward until a, a, a year ago. I see victory. <laughs> fast forward to a year ago. And the Lord gets a hold of my dad. Come on. Dramatic change, transformation, biblical transformation in his life. Give me chill bones, bro. Man, mm-hmm. he hasn't picked up a bottle in over a year already. already. He is good. completely clean from it, going to church, reading his Bible every day. The music he listens to completely changed. No more drinking parties, no more, none of this stuff like that. And I just see the glory of God in my dad now. And that's somebody that I, I, I look at my dad and I'm so proud of him. Right. You know, and, and I just start thinking about this, I, things that separate, whatever that those things are. Whenever we allow them to separate, it it takes away, it takes away an opportunity to see God at work, you know? Right. And, uh, and, and that's just where I stand on a lot of this. And that's it. You know, you said it started with that. I just want to tell you, I love you. And that's what it's about. It's about yeah. the love of God. Right. And, uh, we're not going to make it a habit of getting really real deep on this podcast, but I think there's going to be certain times that, that things happen that we, we really need to have a voice to our community here at, at, at Elam church, or even broader. And I think it was important. And, and it's not that we're going to have all the answers that we can throw things back and forth, but it's, it's really more about challenging every ear that hears this to go out and find those things that are tearing you apart from someone else, from a family member, from your community, from your culture, and tried to build bridges and not not walls, and to, to try to be uh, proactive in showing God's love uh, outside of handing someone a flyer and invite them to church. Right. You know, build those relationships no matter uh, the color of their skin or uh, or what kind of people that they date or or any of those type of things. So I just want to encourage you, get out there, build relationships, share the love of Jesus, let them know that you love them, uh, be a part of your community, um, but keep your distance at the same time and just let, let them know that God loves them, God loves you, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us on the Refuge Project. Reach out to us on Twitter at Refuge Project, or you can always reach us on the email, refugeprojectpodcast at gmail.com.